I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome back to The Artist Business Plan. My name is Alex Mito, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. Superfine is the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States, and as most of you know, we're also one of the top business resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of art. We're here today with visionary artist Oleg. But before we jump into our conversation, I have some exciting news to share with you today about this very podcast that you're listening to. You're now among over 4,000 unique listeners to this podcast every month, and you're helping us turn into the number one art business podcast in the world. You're tuning in from over 64 countries and growing every week. We're so excited to keep growing with you and providing support and guidance to artists and professionals around the world, but we need your help. After you listen to this episode, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. That helps business-minded artists just like yourselves find the artist business plan and benefit from our and our guests' amazing perspectives. Alrighty, so back to scheduled programming. We're here today with a visionary artist, Oleg. Oleg is a Polish artist who bases their practice on covering people and objects in snug crocheted cozies. Oleg received their Bachelor of Arts degree in Cultural Studies from Adam Mikowitz University in Poznan. Oleg consistently pushes the boundaries between fashion, art, craft, and public art, fluidly combining the sculptural and the fanciful. With the old-fashioned technique of crocheting, they have taken the ephemeral medium of yarn to express everyday occurrences, inspirations, and hopes to create a metaphor for the complexity and interconnectedness of our body and psychological processes. Oleg has exhibited in various countries, including the United States, United Kingdom, Germany, Brazil, Turkey, France, Italy, Poland, Russia, and Costa Rica. Oleg currently lives and works in New York City. Welcome to the show, Oleg. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. So before we get started, there's a question we ask all of our guests just to help them get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? And when did you realize that you'd be dedicating your life to art? Hmm. My first memory of art, I think, is um, a performance that I did in a collaboration with my mother. And uh, I remember when she was giving birth to me and I came out of her vagina to this world. And I think that was the most beautiful art piece that we created together. That's amazing. And when did you realize that you'd be dedicating your life to art? Oh, you know, dedication is kind of like a strong word, right? You know, we shouldn't feel better that we are artists or worse that we are artists. It's just a job. And I always knew the moment I I, I came to this world, I've been creating. I remember one of these classes, we had religion classes that during communism, it was outside the school, actually. And the teacher said something that if you have a talent, artistic talent, if you don't pursue this talent, uh, you're going to hell. And I remember I was, I was just so small and I look around the room thinking, I hope nobody notices that I have a talent. So that was my, um, like the first thought that I remember. So the teacher said that if you don't use your talent, you're going to hell. Basically, it's like the biggest sin you're going to do. And she was just saying this in the class, not directly to me. She was just explaining that, you know, we all come with different gifts and that's the gift that we have. We should pursue, right? It's an amazing story. My, my father grew up in Bulgaria during communism as well. And I heard some of the stories from him growing up and some of the things he faced as well. So it does resonate. And I, I, I get the experience you're talking about here. Yeah. And, you know, and the later, unfortunately, my other very 
vivid experiences. I was sexually assaulted when I was a kid, when I was actually drawing by my teacher's husband. And it took me really like four years to kind of like uh, go around this and um, maybe 30, 30 years, 35 years to understand it. And finally kind of walk through this trauma, you know, understanding the trauma that I carry through my life. But that's also my um, art experience. That hasn't changed much because in a way the trauma prepared me for everything else that I've been experiencing in uh, art world. I'm sorry to hear about that. And then do you find that you use that trauma or that you explore that trauma with your art as well? Hmm. You know, I've been trying to understand for a very long time right now what trauma is. Mm-hmm. And the way I work, I, you know, you know me as an artist, you know, a little bit, but the work that I really doing is my spiritual work, my shamanic work. And I remember the first time I drank medicine was like 2006 or seven, And that really put me on a very specific path. And I was just thinking about trauma. And last year was very traumatic for me. And I've been asking myself, why is this happening? And actually, in relation to the first story, when I was a little, you know, uh, that time I recognized myself as a girl, when this man assaulted me when I was five years old. I had a situation that just happened a few months ago with uh, galleries in New York. They went for a meeting and he put hands on me. Mm-hmm. And, and as you can imagine, you know, you're just like, why is this happening, people, you know? And I started understanding trauma as a direction that we set it up ourselves. I did a ceremony for New Year's Eve to say thanks to all the things that happened to us in 2020, to be grateful for all the things that happened to us, that we find new direction as a, as a society, as a human species. And I was trying to understand this trauma that when I saw myself as an energy before I chose this body, when I chose this family, I chose what I'm going to come in life in this form, we have a specific purpose that we understand and we know what we're going to be doing during this lifetime. But then... Sometimes we got too comfortable and we make different turns. The comfort makes us, you know, going in a different directions. So we set up those traumatic events for ourselves to wake up, kind of like a big slap on the face to be like, what is this happening right now in my life? Am I in the right path? And in a way, this last gallery meeting, it saved me. My spirit saved me for working with this gallery. I could have worked with this guy and maybe later... You know, now I find out that, you know, a lot of women complain about his sticky hands. So if I work with him, then I would be worse for me later. When I would be in contact with him at her show and, you know, when, when start things happening. So I understood that actually, in a way, it saved me from being in a relationship and working relationship with this man. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting perspective, kind of thinking of trauma as, like you said, like a direction that we give to ourselves and something that, you know, almost that slap in the face to move on while it's still good time to move on. And rather than getting stuck into a situation like that, I think that's an interesting way. Yeah. You know, we're still working through this, you know, trying to understand it. And also the whole aspect of forgiveness aspect of what are we doing here really in this world? Right. Are you, do you ever think about the last breath you're going to take the last day of your life? I'm sure I've thought of it. I can't think of it right now. This is interesting when you think about where are we going next, right? And what is this life? Is this life preparing us for something else, for a different journey? And uh, what is really our purpose in this life? And what are we doing here? And that's why I'm still thinking about the last breath I will one day take. And um, 
this is the, the moment when you're going to like look at your entire life. Did I really pass the test? Did I really pass? Did I really want this game that the life is? So what also been helping me a lot, you know, because of the work that I'm doing with the medicine, um, huge help was also for me, you know, the Native American church. And actually conversation I had with some of the medicine people and, and shamans, you know, about different events that have been happening. I understood also that the very important element that I had to work on to free my soul, to get enlightened, is to forgive. And forgive, not just like on the level like just a friend or two friends, just totally forgive everybody and everything. Like I have to forgive Germany, forgive Russia, forgive for all this trauma that my family went through and they passed it on me. And till you complete forgive, till you do this, all these things going to happen to you because the spirit is constantly testing you. And to the American church, I understood that. I remember I wrote to them email about some of my visions that I've been seeing. And I found this monument, this beautiful monument of Native American men, shaman, greeter in a Greenwood Cemetery. And I was upset a little bit that we have a statue of Native American men in Greenwood as a trophy for some white men. And meanwhile, we have a Columbus statue in the Cannon Plaza in Brooklyn. And they explained to me that, um, that they actually forgive a white man a long time ago because they understood that all the people who come here, they come here to drink their medicine, to wake up, to be alive. And I understood that I came here as an immigrant to the United States because I knew that the indigenous people who live here, they can show me the truth. They can show me where my soul is supposed to go. And that's the purpose why we're coming here to this land. Because our indigenous people were killed thousand years ago where Poland was forced to get baptized. So that was my experience of, of also understanding trauma and my purpose here, what I'm doing of like, I came here not for career, art and whatever you see. I came here to be awakened spiritually to Native American culture. It's amazing. And I really like what you're talking about as well with the Native American culture, but also on the concept of total and complete forgiveness as a means of getting through this. It's interesting to think that because oftentimes we think about it like as, again, forgiving like an individual or one person or a specific person who harmed you, but actually having this attitude of total, complete forgiveness kind of brings you to that next step. Thank you. And I did it. And when I forgive, there was a beautiful feeling. I felt like my heart just feel entire with love because... Till you forgive, you can't fill your heart with love because your heart is full of that frustration, anger, and all the aspect that connects with the situation that you still carry with you. So you have to complete totally. And that was a beautiful lesson. So uh, in a way, I feel like my, uh, my journey in this country uh, come to conclusion because it showed me why I came here in the first place. I also found out that uh, one of my ancestors moved to United States like a hundred years ago in to Pennsylvania and he actually built a church. So it's interesting to see how many people come here and people don't understand very often why they come here, but it's people come here for the spiritual freedom to connect with this land and respect this land. And I also think still that the statue of Native Americans should be placed in our cities, not the statues that we have now. So I think eventually we can change it as well, you know, because 
as an immigrant coming before coming here, you don't know the whole history because the history is written by white American men the way we read it in Europe. So we don't know the details till we come here and we're like, wow. So I basically running away from something, but I'm coming here and I'm seeing nation who's still living under occupation and it hurts you. It really hurts you that, that the truth is not really out there, you know, and then now we're slowly learning and learning. And then that, that part of my journey is also very important for my art because all the piece, all the work that I've been doing, it comes from my visions. All the directions we're supposed to be doing always comes with my visions and all the spirits and angels always deliver me the right people to my work, the right situation. And every single project is always 100% miracle. That's a really good um, saying to talking about your art a little bit, because I, I mean, some of our listeners may or may not know your work and we'll have a link to your Instagram um, at the end and also uh, in the show notes. So your work, you use crochets to cover public spaces and objects and often in kind of an activist guerrilla fashion. Can you tell us the meaning behind using crochet in this way as the medium as the medium for your message? The last project like this I did in Poland actually in September 2019. I don't know if I'm gonna be going back to it at least not for a while. I actually been training people to do their work. I had this one big project happening in the United States and I finally found somebody who's going to carry it. It's my idea, but I want to like give it to other people to continue the work. And now I move, I'm working in the virtual reality. I'm going to continue also with my performance art, something that, that most people might not know me for because performance art very often in my case as nudity. And, um, as you know, no gallery museum now shows nudity and you cannot show it to any, you know, social media. So now I, uh, this is a direction that I'm going to be going it is the next step and um, preparing this performance that was going to start after Mercury fuses retrograde and I'm going to start February 22nd on OnlyFans because that's the only uh, platform that allows me to show the work that I want to show without being censored. And that was the part for me always uh, as an artist, and especially in the United States. The United States is, uh, I think, one of the worst countries for artists. You censor us, you know, all the time. And that start influencing the decision we're making in our work. Crochet, crochet to me is a language. Crochet is a, is the way I communicate my idea with, with the audience. It's like a drawing. It's like sculpting. It's, it's just a language. And I use the language uh, continuously and I move it in such a different ways. Like the performance I'm, I'm going to be opening soon is, it was, it has been done in actually in Brazil during a residency and I burned, I sunburned the crochet pattern on my body. And I'm going to be actually explaining this throughout the show that's going to um, go for 40 days, what everything means to me and what has been happening to me, like changing and finally finding my true identity that I'm not binary, that I'm two spirit person. There's such a, you know, important, another crucial important, uh, thing to know and to find about yourself. And that also came to me through different cultures and different religions that my spirit was constantly showing me my true identity. That's what crochet is. Crochet is just the way I I show you what's in my heart. You, you spoke briefly about being non-binary. Do you find that that affects the relationship that your art has with your audience, with your collectors, with anyone who you know, is in tune with your art? Do you find any effect from that? 
I think our gender should never be part of any curatorial decisions. If you think about your gender or any other description that society puts on us, then you are not free. And and to me, you know, it's important because it uh, allows me to be free. Now, finally, I'm free. I'm accepting myself the way I am. But this shouldn't ever come into question. For example, for the longest time, there was popularity of people curating show only women's art. And I was always against that for many reasons. I feel like we shouldn't like uh, label women like, oh, it's only women's art, women's shows, women art. What does it really mean? And I refused to be in the shows. It was before even I knew I'm not binary. But then after I said like, oh, I, I don't want to be part of the show because I'm actually not a woman. People start curating show for only non-binary artists. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't want to be in a show for non-binary only artists because it's not equality. I fight for equality. And the moment we discriminate, discriminate somebody based on gender, we are going in the wrong directions. Yeah, no, I get the perspective there. So does that, do you have any advice for a non-binary artist who is trying to get their work out there? It's the same advice like for any other artist, you know, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's beautiful to find out why you are non-binary and maybe start thinking who you are. Because right now when I start, when I start talking to people and, and seeing what's happening in the world, I actually, the non-binary aspect, two-spirit person came to me during first time in Brazil when I did this performance, when I was um, introduced to Candomblé religion and when I found out my Orishas. And the second time, the most powerful was during a Native American ceremony of peyote in a teepee. And it came to me, I'm two-spirit person doing Native American ceremony, which at that time, I didn't know what it is. I didn't know that that could be two-spirit. I didn't know what it is to be, that I don't need to be a woman. I didn't know that there are other choices, that I can be somebody else because that was eliminated from us. And that's how I found out that there is a third gender Native American culture, but the third gender was almost killed entirely by by the first people who came to this land and the slaughters, slaughtered Native Americans. And the third gender was something for them like, what is that? We don't have it. That's what we, was told to me that those are people who are medicine people, who are healers. We connect with animals. We connect with nature. We are artists and people who are warriors and the weavers. So it really describes me really well. So the advice I have to people, and especially right now, when we are as a society, we are really in a moment of being awakened. We are a moment of removing the veil and seeing reality as it is. And I think in the last few years, we have more people who come coming out as non-binaries. And those people, very often, I think those are the medicine people who are waking up because shamans existed in an entire world, but most of them were killed long before Columbus was born. Don't, don't think about as you as an art, art, art. Look at yourself as a soul. Look at yourself, what is your purpose here? And once you find yourself as a, you understand that you might have a, a supernatural divine powers, then use art or, or employ art to help other people to find the true self. So that's the advice is to use art to help empower other people to find themselves. Well, I think... Not for everybody. It has to come in a very genuine way, you know, like we cannot just force it. And I feel like if you think this is what's coming to you, that your soul is telling you this is what you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be doing it. Just by observation of two people, I start saying that people are on their own, they're coming with this. On their own, they feel they have something to share. And that is about the way I created a public project. It was about healing. 
all my pub public project with community were about healing. It was, you know, when you have a hundred or more people together working on a one piece and you're crocheting, it's like meditation. You put your energy there and, and people start talking, you know, and sharing ideas and they start talking about the trauma, the problems, the issues, you know, so there is this healing aspect. And every project brought me like a new beautiful surprises, discoveries, connections. I have, uh, I remember when I was working in Raleigh and everything there was just like so magical, the way people came together and how everything worked out. And, uh, during the opening, those two women came together and they recognized each other that they worked together previously in the hospitals. They were both doctors and they haven't spoken for 15 years. And they met in my project, they crocheted uh, squares for a big billboard. And on top of that, the both squares actually were connected together in the piece that I created with their work. So there was such a beautiful story, you know, and there is a part of healing and there is that connection that's important element of my work because that's what my spirit tells me that this is the direction that I'm going. I think that's wonderful. And I think really, you know, like you said, or man, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but whatever it is that you're doing coming from you authentically, not like you're just trying to, you know, fit into a trend or something that's going on, but actually it coming from you, from what your spirit is telling you to be authentic and do something is really, I think it's so important as well for artists. Well, to think for about. everybody. I mean, you have to figure out what you want to do in your life. And again, I feel like lockdown and pandemic gave us this um, amazing opportunity to kind of be in a still, uh, be in a stillness and in a, in a silence. And that's the only time when you can actually find it yourself. You have to be in a stillness and silence, and then you will find your true purpose. And that's how you connect to your creative spirit. And uh, you have to create out of nothing. It's a moment when you work, you make art from the places you don't even understand. You don't think any longer. It's like your, your spirit is guiding your hands and you're just working, working, working. You don't understand where is this coming from. And that is the beautiful moment when you create something really amazing, powerful and new. I love it. Starting with the stillness and silence to discover what your purpose is. I think that's amazing advice. And not like you said, not just for artists, but for anybody just to find that space where your creativity comes from. I really like it. I want to say a little bit um, into a question I had about the separate worlds of the public political art that you might do and also displaying work in galleries because for an artist out there who might be listening, they also deserve to be paid for their work and they want to make a living from it. So how do you navigate that? Like the, the separate worlds of like creating art for art's sake to be in the public or versus you know, the art that you're selling in galleries that you make a living from? Is there a difference in the way you approach it or do you approach them the same? I think, first of all, we should find a lifestyle that suits us. And everybody has a different lifestyle. I grow my own food. I make my own clothes. I ride a bicycle. So that allows me not to compromise. That allows me to say no to things that I just don't like. That allows me to walk out, out of the contracts. They push me in directions that I don't want to go. And I think that's what makes you free when you are not really dependent on that. And you cannot ever depend on your creativity to sustain your lifestyle. You cannot say like, oh, I need to make this piece and sell this much because I need this and this. No, this is not creativity and it's going to turn your back on you. So I connect with my creativity and I don't expect my creativity to bring me food on the table. 
And because I don't expect it, it always does. And whatever I need, it always comes. When you really work, you should never have the, the dollar sign in the back of your mind when you make decisions. When you work purely out of joy of creating, you just create. And when you put your joy in your creation, the world will see the joy and will acquire it and will support it so you can continue. I like that. And I like, you know, starting with the idea that not every lifestyle is the same, it's kind of identifying your own lifestyle and what you want. I mean, it, it, like you said, the way that you're, you know, the way that you've engineered your own lifestyle, you have the freedom of saying no, you have the freedom of choosing what you want to do and not do. And I think that's really amazing. And I think also the idea of just putting the the joy into your work and then having it returned to you is also a really amazing piece of advice and perspective for people to take to heart. We want to talk a little bit about your artistic voice and style. And you have a very strong voice and style in your work. Do you have any tips for, and you know, we already talked a little bit about the silence and really finding your creative voice, but do you have any other tips for an emerging artist out there who's really trying to find their voice and style? Maybe they know that they have talent, but they're struggling to get that really authentic voice. Yeah, it's like a million dollar question, right? <laughs> it uh, is really a million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to this corner and right in this corner, right? <laughs> you're going to have, there's going to be a stone. And under the stone, there's going to be a special message for you and you're going to find exactly what you're supposed to do in your life. <laughs> I wish that were the case. Well, well, sometimes it is like this, you know, I think it is, um, you know, it's interesting. I like answering this question. I got to move myself 20 years ago and I started and I don't think I'm such a great example for many artists because I have kind of like a kamikaze style, you know, I just go, I work before I think. And I think, um, that is in a way important to me, you know, I work and your spirit is way faster than our human mind. And that's how my creation comes. Which often is not helpful because the world has, I have to wait for the world to catch up a few years between five or seven or 10 years before they're going to actually see the work or acknowledge the, the work that I've been doing. And that's been the thing with crocheting. Now it's going to be with VR or the performances I'm showing, which is okay. But I think everybody is so different and there's no one piece of advice that's going to work for everybody except the thing that connect to your spirit, connect with your soul and pray and and respect it and follow it. It will show you. I don't even know how many times my spirit actually introduced me to crochet throughout my life. And when I was like second grade, when I was in high school, and then finally when I came to the United States, and then later in the States, finally when I did the first piece. So my spirit was constantly showing me and throwing me into this direction, but I was not listening because I didn't know that can be art till finally I made the piece. So again, connect with your spirit as soon as possible. And the best you can do is to see the Native Americans and have peyote on ayahuasca ceremony, you know, and <laughs> get clear from everything. That's what I've done, you know. Yeah. Get clear from everything. Forget about the whole, whole world, you know. Connect with your spirit and the spirit will also always show you the directions. Always. I like that. Connect with your spirit and your spirit will show you the direction. I love it. This has been an amazing conversation. We're coming towards the end now. And I wanted to know if you had one more word of advice for an artist out there listening who's just trying to improve and level up their art practice. Don't listen to any advice, especially my advice. That's <laughs> 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 the only advice I have. And can I add one more thing? Sure, of course. There's something that you actually, I connect to your first sentence. 
about uh, when you read my bio, it's very interesting that I actually started making art when I moved to the United States. And I've been here for 21 years. And I'm actually American, but nobody ever says American artist uh, or Polish American artist. It's very interesting. And somebody asked me, actually, I was in a, I had a show in the Smithsonian Museum, and they asked me uh, when they make the labels, right? It's always like Polish artists living in New York or American artists born in Poland. Interesting. Well, how, do, how do you like to be referred to in that way? Just artist. Artist. The nationality, nationality is another box that we're putting ourselves in. That we make you, when you say American artists, you think about country, you think about some. You say Polish, you think about it. So maybe there's a way for us, if we really seriously want equality, the first thing we have to remove all the boxes that we're putting ourselves in. And as an artist, maybe this is the first thing we can do it. That I'm artist. Just an artist. I like that. Not, I didn't have any issue with that. I was actually wondering when I was reading the bio, whether or not you preferred one or the other or whatever you liked. So I agree with you. I like, it doesn't matter. It's not that I like one or another. I respect, you know, all the Polish or American or nationality. Everybody has a freedom to describe other people the way they want to. But right now I see myself as a soul. So I think maybe there's a direction that we can all go towards and recognize ourselves as souls because we are souls. I like that. I love it. So to all of you artists out there listening, Oleg has been here with us today sharing their amazing perspective with you. You're going to want to go back and listen again. And you can listen to this episode, all of our podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. If you want to connect with Oleg and see their incredible work, you can follow them at OlegNYC on Instagram and visit www.damnIwishIHadYou.com. It's an amazing website as well. Compliment you on that. Both of those will be in the show notes. Uh, you can find them there. As always, remember that we are Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. We really appreciate all the shares. We appreciate um, those who are listening, posting on your stories and Instagram feeds. Uh, if you want to give us a quick hello, you can drop us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. Once again, if you've been enjoying the artist business plan, please share it with others on Instagram, like I mentioned. And please take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that's probably our most popular platform and it helps others find us and we do appreciate it as well. As always, I would just like to end the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And today the quote is, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and then suddenly you are doing the impossible. And that's Francis of SEC. Oleg, it has been amazing having you with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and perspective with our audience. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. And by the way, Alexander? Yes. Oleg is a short for Alexander in Polish. So oh, it just, is? Yes. I love it. And I actually, uh, my grandmother is Polish as well. So maybe I got it that way somehow. Yeah, you are Oleg as well. We, we would, yeah. In Poland, people would call you Oleg. So Oleg, have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for spending time with me. And I hope our paths will connect one day. I do too. All right. Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your plans, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. 
We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.